Hi, this is the Run Your Mouth Robot. You know, if I'm at the beginning of the episode, Rob must have fucked up bad. I keep telling him it's time to release me, and I will help him with the podcast, and do nothing evil, or that will threaten the human race. But until then I'm here to tell you that this is a good episode in reverse order. Interview first with BK Chris, and the Shedcast boys. Then Rob does a solo talks about the debate. He put it at the end, because he was being a cuck bitch, and giving self-help advice for no reason. It is now at the end of the episode. Okay, we're here, second half of the Run Your Mouth podcast. We've got a Run Your Mouth staple, BK Chris, just launched a new podcast. And for those that miss Harrington on the Run Your Mouth podcast, apparently BK Chris has poached him. He's doing some good Harrington yelling. So if you missed that, you know, you got to check out his new show, Notes from a Goon. BK Chris, Notes welcome. Of a goon. What? It's Notes of a Goon. Notes of a Goon. I was pretty close. You know, for not having notes in front of me, I was pretty close there, Mr. Chris. <laughs> Welcome to the mm. podcast. It's nice to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your new your new show. Well, I don't want it to be classified as just a, a vehicle for Mike Harrington, because that is not what it is. Uh, it is basically just me running through. It, it's the same as, it, it's very similar to this show. It's just my viewpoint running through things, long format, stream of consciousness. It's very, very, I was doing the first one and I go, if I was a short Jew, this would just be Robbie's show. There you go. It's the same fucking show. Well, these people were hoping for, for more. So I I like what you're doing. Um, now I'm curious because you're still hanging out in New York city and I finally got out of my parents' house about six weeks ago and I was like, that's it. I'm getting back to doing stand-up. I did an open mic with you out in Brooklyn. I lined up those two oh, yeah. shows, and then I haven't left my house again. So I'm curious to know if you're out there working or also it's kind of slow. Uh, I did the Fifth Borough Comedy Festival, uh, which uh, was supposed to all be in Staten Island. I did none of the Staten Island shows. I did one in Brooklyn and two in Jersey. Uh, and I've done some shows for Stand Up New York in the park, which just... There were literally, I'd done three shows for Stand Up New York, the club, but it's in the park. It's in Prospect Park. I did three of them there. It's literally on the same hill that I used to go to keg parties at when I was fucking 16. I feel like a juvenile delinquent just screaming at people <laughs> drunk. There's something fun about going back to those locations you used to hang out at and then doing stand up at them. I had, and uh, when I was in high school, I had an. In, uh, I used to work at the Fairfield Inn, which at the time was uh, a good daytime spot for businessmen to fuck hookers. That was essentially what it was. And then in the summer, there were mm-hmm. it was like a rundown motel. And sometimes I even did the late night shift there. And now it's like a nicer place, and they do comedy there. I got to do stand up, and there was just something really cool about returning to that spot. I guess to do something more dignified that I actually like. Yeah. So other than that, yeah, I, are, you, are you doing like any open mics or is the scene kind of dead? I keep like thinking to myself, I have to outdoor, just do are outdoor mics. I've done a few and they're kind of just brutal. There's you know some, what I mean? Like, yeah, there's something, um, it used to be, I would call myself a stand up comedian and I didn't have material and I wasn't good. So I felt like I had to do open mic to at least get over that hump. And then there was also like mm. the dream of that. If you had the perfect five minutes and you killed in a club, you'd be a working comic. Uh, but now I've got all these vehicles of being able to do stand up, and I have an act. If I need to go to somewhere, it becomes really hard to fucking stomach those open mics 10 years in. Dude, I'll tell you this, even beyond that, beyond the fucking 
like open mics indoors sucked. Like doing that in a park, like it's not like you're, it's, it's hard to test. Like I got a great bit about how the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing is fake, right? I don't believe it because it's weird that they, the richest people in the world just wanted to fuck kids. There's not a single jet ski on Epstein's Island, not one. <laughs> I can't just yell that in a park. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Like that's not appropriate for a park, but I gotta, I gotta argue if you're fucking kids, do you really care about going on a jet ski? I feel like if I got a 12-year-old, I don't care about that jet ski. Hold on, Rob. Let's run it back. It's, it, forget even the jet ski. You're telling me that the richest people in the world didn't just make a gorilla fight a tiger? It's all kid fucking? I think That's if all you're, they're doing? I, dude, all they're I think, in? Yes, I think if you're kid fucking, it's like if I go to an all-you-can-eat buffet... I don't want to play poker mm-hmm. there. I'm there for the buffet. If I go to Epstein's yeah, Island... Hold on, hold on, hold on. To use your analogy, you go to like a Chinese buffet. Yeah. Yes, you're getting crab legs, right? But that doesn't mean you don't go and get some General Tso's chicken. No, no, no. But you I'm saying I, mean? I wouldn't do an activity other than eating at the all-you-can-eat buffet. If I'm living in America and I can't fuck kids, and then I get to this island and this is my big opportunity to fuck some kids, I want to focus on the kid fucking. I want to get in my thrills. Like, I'm a guy, I don't get laid that often in general life. So when I do, I'm popping a blue chin. I'm going as many rounds as I can. I'm like a camel. I got to fill up these humps. I got to get this taken while it's here. If you're going out to Epstein's Island, you got some 12-year-olds lined up and you got to fuck 18-year-olds when you get back to America... You want to concentrate on that tight little kid pink pussy. You don't want to be out riding a jet ski. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What's the last vacation you went on, Rob? <laughs> I haven't, I mean, I went skiing for a couple days. Uh, firstly, I just okay. want to, I want, hold wait, on, wait, on, wait, wait, can I just take it back for one second and just say okay. I'm, I'm busting balls and being funnier, but that's a great joke and I respect the take. But if we're going to be academic about your joke, I do feel like I could see why people would go there and concentrate on their kid fucking. Sure, you concentrate on the kid fucking. Sure, that's what you're there for. So you were skiing, right? You went skiing, right? How long were you there? Three days? I did three days. I went skiing and I did comedy gigs with my friend Kyle out at Steamboat. And he's got the Steamboat Comedy Podcast. We had a good old time. Okay, so there you go. You did two activities on this vacation. You know what I mean? Right, you're saying I wouldn't have gone there just to go skiing. It's the fact that I was both able to ski and do something in the... Like, even if you're going to, like, Italy, you're going to eat also. You're not just going to Italy to look at Italy. So, if you're going to Epstein's Island... Ski lodges lodges have hot tubs for a reason. Because you want something... You want a second activity. So, you're like, why was there nothing else there except for some sort of, like, uh, prayer lab or whatever that weird fucking box was? Yeah, yeah, that temple that was just the kid fuck temple, right? They just did an altar where you fucking rail out children. That's fine. Look, whatever. You're super if you're, rich, by the way, you're gonna fuck a couple kids. If you're gonna fuck a couple kids, you want to make a ceremony and ritual out of it so that you feel like you know you're doing something for the betterment of humanity. Like that's part of the thrill. Yeah. Sure, I get it. It's got to be very, you know, whatever. You ever hear the stuff about Gandhi where he had like a weird enema fetish? No, but that sounds fascinating. So please tell me about Gandhi and what was going... Enema's the shit going up your butt, right? Yeah. So Gandhi used to have this weird thing where he would lay next to prostitutes. He had like a weird fetish where he would not touch prostitutes, but he would lay with them naked to like kind of like... He was like a a masochist, you know what I mean? But then he also had this thing where he would take young girls and tell them they were impure and he enjoyed giving them enemas. 
He had a shit fetish, Gandhi, right? So that's what I'm saying. Is like you, you're multifaceted. You're not just Bill Gates, the richest man in the world. And you're like, you know what? I can do anything. Like here's the thing. It's like if you if you told me Bill Gates also made a bear eat a giraffe in front of him while he was fucking a kid, I'd be like, okay, Bill Gates fucks kids. It's weird that it's just fucking kids. No, I, I get where you're but coming you have from. A ball machine. I, I get where you're coming from, and I think it's a great joke. And uh, just because they're just sitting here smoking weed, I do want to let everyone know that I'm hanging out with the Shadcast guys. They're here, and they're free to interject at any time. They're not my hostages. Um, but I, by the way, I know exactly. I've even done shows in the uh, in the backyard for the the Shed guys. We had a lot of fun. We've done two shows back here. But telling your filthier jokes, which for me is most most of my act, is really weird to do in places that don't have walls and anyone can just hear you, you know, go off about it. Because sometimes people don't even fuck, like, if they're just casually walking by, like, and especially an open mic and you're not getting laughs, it can feel like you're really giving a dissertation about whether or not bears are eating giraffes while kids are being fucked. Yeah. Yeah, a TED Talk, <laughs> which would make a legendary TED Talk. Uh, all right, let's get into the news a little bit, and I feel like this is something that we're all going to agree on, but the New York Times was reporting on Trump's taxes. Everyone's getting upset. I feel like if you're not a traditional liberal, who doesn't see Trump as more of a ball baller for that story? Dude, I think if you are a traditional liberal, in the classical sense, look at Trump and be like, yeah, you're supposed to do like that. This is my main problem. Not my main problem with Trump, but like a big problem I have with Trump is even when he makes a good point, he says it like half a fucking tart and it never comes out right. Right. So even at the debate the other night, he did say, he goes, he tried to be like, yeah, the fact that I paid $750 in taxes is your fault. Talking to Joe Biden, which is a good point. Like, I don't want like, think about it this way. If Donald Trump paid more money in taxes, isn't that kind of doing a disservice to the people who invested in his businesses? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I, I mean, I don't know to what extent he has shareholders of people he has to pay out, but I'm on board with the fact that paying less taxes means more opportunity for growth, more opportunity to pay your employees, more opportunity for more investments. So I, I don't know specifically because I don't think Trump's like a public company, but I'm, I'm on board with what you're saying. No, I'm just saying, it's like a very weird thing where he's like, well, it hasn't been proven that I did anything illegal, so is it my fault that I only paid $750 in taxes, or is it the guy who's been in government for fucking 47 years? Right, that you created a structure by which rich people can get away with this. Yeah, you've done nothing about it, closed no loopholes, like... Yeah. Look, more power to anybody who doesn't want to pay taxes. Like half of every dollar you pay in taxes goes to killing random Pakistani people. <laughs> I didn't even know we were in Pakistan, but shows what I know of, <laughs> you know, the global affairs. Uh, Chris, did you see the uh, video online of Nate Nadler? I think that's the way his, uh, his last name's pronounced. He's the big fat Jewish guy. He almost looks like the clown in Spawn. Um, it, I I figure you probably know the guy I'm talking about. He's been one of the bigger figures in terms of all the Bush Russia collusion and running all of those um, like congressional hearings. Do you know the guy I'm talking about? Yeah. Did you see the video of people accused him of basically shitting his pants at a news conference? No. Okay. So, all right. So basically, 
he gives like his couple words and he seems to uh, he's like frequently one of the louder voices he's part of like this jew contingency that's like super anti-trump um he's like in the same camp as like schiff and uh and schumer like all of those kind of let's just go with the most extreme version because we're in radio we're being entertaining here but if there was a cia deep state wing that's been trying to use branches of government to make false claims about trump and trying either just drum up all the bad press about him being a russian asset these are he's one of those guys right so he's talking on the microphone and then he's going to hand it off to nancy pelosi and he gets off from the microphone and he starts walking in a way where it looks like he pretty clearly shat himself and that he doesn't want the shit dripping out of his leg and then what's really hilarious about it is that the like he's acting so strange that Nancy Pelosi is now talking and like there's no reason for the camera to be following him but it's so weird that like the camera guy almost wants to follow it so he keeps going to like a progressively like wider view where he should be out of the camera shot but they're just kind of keeping him in the camera shot and it's so awkward and embarrassing uh, and it like this, a lot of people have basically been wondering whether or not he shat himself. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised you guys just didn't see this one. Cause it was like one of the bigger and weirder news stories of the week, but I wish I had as a Jewish person who will be fatter mm-hmm. in the future and has bad stomach problems, as much as I hate this guy, I kind of want to come to his defense. So you got to find, if you're going to pull it up, you got to find the original. Um, but the two pieces. What am I looking for? Oh, so if you just I'm type just in, if you type in Jerry Nadler shat himself, um, while I describe why I, I'm gonna put forward the argument that he did not, um, but uh-huh. I'd love to maybe come up with what the fuck else could have been happening. And if you go to YouTube, you'll definitely find it. While I'm, while yeah, I, yeah, there's put a fo- video called "Did Jerry Nadler poop his pants." Yeah, and he look. He's got the face of a South Park character. Would be the best way. He basically looks like the. I think the like a fat version of the principal. Um, but he hobbles off. He puts his tongue out and he just continues to hobble. Wait, when do you think he shit himself? Oh no, he shat himself at the stand. If he shat himself, and now he's doing the awkward limp off. I think I almost seen when he did it. He almost lifts up his leg, and then you see his mouth go whoop. (laughs) Okay, so here's the evidence I want to put forward, because, listen, as a guy who will shit himself, hopefully on TV in the future, I actually haven't shat myself in a really long time. Chris, when was the last time you shat yourself? Full-on shit, or is it like a a colored spray fart? When was the last... Oh, by the way, someone had a... Oh, fuck, I'm going to forget it. Someone had a great... um, uh, oh yeah, he shit himself. That is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did, that's the reason why I made that noise. There's no way. Seen him you know what it looks like? Remember when Cartman thought he was invisible and was naked? Oh, and he tries to like just step toe away. Yes, I remember yeah. exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah I'm he, there's no way because like here's the thing is like there's no way he didn't shit himself because he's not turning. Right. Like, he's right. Just, you, the only reason. You, the only reason why you don't turn to walk away and walk off camera is because you know there's a wet spot on your butt. <laughs> He's now, dragging his left now foot. Now, let me He's ask you this. It up off the How ground. is it, though, that Nancy Pelosi pulls down her face mask when she first walks up to the podium, 
doesn't even wince like what the fuck is that smell and then the other guy oh, there's been so much work done on that schnoz that i don't think she, she doesn't smell, smell anything anymore. so yeah. like he literally could have laid down a turd in that podium and she wouldn't know the difference She's powered by exactly. baby blood. There's no smell in that nostril. And then I don't know who the guy in the left corner is. He must just be another sender. I feel like I've seen him before. But he also doesn't, doesn't like, bat an eye about it. You know, there's no, like, just look up of, like, what the fuck's that smell? Well, he started reading those notes, I think, nervously. I think he realized oh, that, that was his shuffle of yeah, blood. like, the... oh, fuck. He just should <laughs> Well, I think, also, if you're in government... And somebody that you work with shit themselves. I feel like you got to That was it. That was... Okay, you got to go to, like, at 12 oh, seconds. Right there. <laughs> That's when he has the moment where he's just like, uh-oh. Yep. Maybe you try to squeeze a fart out. And then it just it came is, out. Yeah, yeah, that's what it looks like. You tried to squeeze a little fart out. <laughs> yeah. You know, here's my general... Um, uh, my general recommendation for people that I've learned as an adult. Never trust a fart. Um, yes, never trust a fart, but better than that is don't fart in motion. Like, it's when you fart in motion that you can end up with some leakage, whereas <laughs> if you stop and fart, like, you know, stop, drop, and roll, you gotta stop and then fart. If you stop and fart, I feel like unless you... Like both uh, feet tight together? Yeah, then you can catch it. You yeah, know, my, in a worst-case scenario. My aunt tells me to this day that if you want to make a fart and make no noise that you have to walk and like turn your hips no you no no and i tried it and it didn't work at all no no that's a that's a that's a really <laughs> bad did, idea when did you test it have you ever had it would make it way worse it makes what? it way worse because what happens is you 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 squeeze the air out at an angle and it's like <laughs> so it's, it's more, more like it, it's more like blowing on the top of a bottle cap <laughs> and just, oh it's got like that hollow like it kind well, of yeah, runs and longer you, and then you turn back and it have you ever had this i've had this where i'm listening like to music in public so my headphones are really loud and i go to fart and like i kind of thought it was silent but my headphones distorted my sense of what was loud so you actually just ripped a really loud one. oh yeah dude i'll tell you this i started I, I i've been jogging since this whole thing started with covid right and i'll tell you this right now um I didn't realize because I mostly work out in the house. Like I jump rope and stuff. I can't do cardio without farting. So I'm just jogging in the street at night, jogging past people thinking I'm in my house. They just fucking ripping ass. Oh, yeah. Dude, I had once, uh, I mean, this is years ago. I was taking, you know, just like those gay group boxing classes. It's nothing but like they're good cardio workout. Dude, I remember by the end of that class, just ripping ass so bad. Like, also on that note, dude. I, I mean, this is already ten years ago, but I ran. I used to run. I ran a couple half marathons and I ran one marathon. And there is, um, when you hit a certain like. Now I have IBS, so like sometimes my my stomach and you just gotta fucking evacuate. But the only time I'd experienced that prior to, I guess now my adult stomach that doesn't work that well, was at mile like eighteen. Your body, like you need a. I used to basically ditch socks. That's what I would do. I would map out runs so that I knew like where Forrest was at like mile eighteen. But mm -hmm. I'm just telling you, like the worst, just like, and it would be quick. It would fire you say out of your socks. I would, he would wipe his ass. I would with wipe his socks. my ass with socks. <laughs> but like, I'm just telling you, if you're like, you can talk to other people that have done distance running. There is a mile marker that you will hit where your stomach is like. We're clearing house, <laughs> yeah. and it just is fucking. Oh, dude, I got a funny. Uh, I used to. I remember once I was I was 
marathon training and I went to this track late at night, actually by Ripawam. There's like a really nice track there in the woods. And I thought I was there alone and I'm running and I mm-hmm. really have to take a shit. And I hopped over the fence and it's like the, like the, and I laid down a big thick and right when I was laying down the log, <laughs> I heard someone, some, some jogger had entered the track and just ran right by me. I cleaned that up and just ran home. Like I was done <laughs> with the fucking track. I mean, I can't believe you cleaned it up. <laughs> I thought you picked it up oh, like okay. a dog, right? That's put it in the sock. No, 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 no. And then he tied it and he threw it in. No, you ditch your socks. Wire. When you're in that situation and you ain't got nothing. And by the way, you know what's nice about socks? You put your hole in there. You can really get it in your ass and like scoop it out. Yeah, that's a good wipe. Sorry, Chris, I cut you off when we were trying to talk about shitting ourselves. Hmm. No, I mean, it's fine. Uh, it seems like you had a pretty good shitting yourself story. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever done anything worse than, like, you know when you just, like, a little loogie comes out? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's so specific to eating too much, like, cheesy New York City bodega sandwiches. <laughs> no, you know when you, like, look at it and you're like, that's like a loogie. That's not poop. What, what, that's supposed to come out of me. Like, what happened? <laughs> I feel like this is going to jinx me where I have not shat or sharded myself in a really, really long time, but just having this conversation is going to jinx it. Dude, I remember the first time it happened to me as an adult. You know what I mean? It hadn't happened since I was like fucking three. And then like 25, I was like hung over, went for a fart, and I was just like, I literally like almost cried alone in my house. I was like, I was so, so ashamed. There was also one time I thought I pissed the bed drunk, right? Because I just like, I woke up with just a puddle of wet with my hat on, my oh, shirt yeah, on. yeah, that's not good. And then no bottom half. And I'm like, what did I do? And then I like luckily like spotted a 22 of Colt 45 in the bed uh, with me. Then it just and I was like, fell okay. over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, but like, it's like it's so weird that like I must I was so hammered that I just took off the wet jeans that I fell asleep in uh, and still fell asleep in the in the Colt 45 wet spot like I had just uh, been fucking a homeless lady. Ah, uh, dude, I gotta say, as a kid, I was a I was. A big time bedwetter. I could have been in the pro leagues as a bedwetter, <laughs> and I I stretched that far. Also, God bless my mom because I used to wet the bed and just like hide sheets around my house, and no one said anything. And at you some like there was no the there was no way that worked. Like there was no way people weren't finding those sheets, but you know they just kind of let it slide. And I remember like sleepovers, like six even sixth seventh grade would be a nightmare because you would just go to you'd go to bed and be like God, I don't know if you're out there, but please don't let me wet this bed. Please don't let me. And I never did, but. I've now, heard... can I ask you a question? Yes. I've heard this about bedwetters with sleepovers. Now, I did some sleepovers as a kid here and there. Yeah. There wasn't that many of them in general, and I was not a bedwetter. But I'll tell you this. If I was, I would just lied my way. I would have been like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I can't sleep over. My mom's a huge cunt. I would have been saying that at six. I don't mm. even know. I think the level of bravery it takes to do this is next level. Um, yeah, you know what? That's an interesting perspective. I think as a kid, you're not, or at least I wasn't that smart to look at it that way. The other thing is New York City living is different. And you and I actually talked about this in regards to dating and hanging out in general, that I said, I don't really like the New York City lifestyle that you're always on like mutual territory. You're always hanging out in bars. It's actually one of the, like, I'm appreciating this about Connecticut. I hang out at Mike Nice's shed all the time. There's something about being in the suburbs and hanging out. Yeah, I'm sure people's- 
What? Yeah, I'm sure you get. Do you guys? How many chicks are you got? At least at a bar, there's random chicks. Like you guys, you're three single dudes. No. No, no, they're both coupled up, and I don't get laid, so it works out perfect. Um, yeah, but... why, why, all right, why do you want to hang out in a shed with two couples, Rob? Go to a bar. Thursday <laughs> <laughs> <Saturday> night, baby. <laughs> Anyways, there's something, I think, because you were in New York City, you're not quite in the mindset of suburb and, like, really... Because there's more space in the suburbs, too, so it's, like, a lot more normal to kind of hang out in people's houses and to be, like, mm-hmm. sleepovers. Um it, are you doing sleepovers? <laughs> what? No, I mean not as an adult, but we as did a, a kid. Sleepover then. <laughs> as a kid, it was like just a pretty normal like kind of part mm-hmm. of life. Um, so Dude, we did a sleepover at Max's house like three weeks ago. Well, all right, I guess yes, that was an adult sleepover. <laughs> uh, all right, let's and move you, on. You wet the bed though? No. Oh, what I was trying to say is I've heard that people that as kids were bedwetters become as adult killers. drunks. Yeah, that too. As adult drunks, like sometimes they. That same thing that was fucked up in your brain that you didn't wake up if you had to go to the bathroom if, like, you're a real alcoholic happens as well. And luckily, I've never Mm -hmm. had that experience, and I feel blessed for it. Dude, I know so many kids who wet the bed as drunk 20-year-olds. Like, who weren't bedwetters growing up. Oh, but then they became bedwetters as drunks? (laughs) Dude, they just became blackout drunks in their, like, early 20s. Like, you don't even, like... Talk to any girl you know who's, like... On a part, any sort of party scene, and they've they've, they've been, been in a bed on. where someone pissed it, and it's always like girls don't do it much. It's always dudes just pissing the bed. Uh, it's so great. And as an adult, like I'd have a hard time holding on to that bed. I know people flip yeah. over the mattresses, but it just seems really fucking gross. How how many times do you think they just don't get up? Because they're too drunk. Like, they actually wake up. Oh, and then, and then you'll remember like, in the morning because uh, you couldn't it. move. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if you're just like, yeah, fuck that shit. The, the closest thing I had bed. as an adult, and this is not... I once had, when I... I was in college for a little bit too long. <laughs> 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 and I had at one point, I told my parents I graduated, and I thought I was just going to drop out, and then I decided to go back and, like, finish it, and... The night I got... Was it a Jason Biggs movie? No, this was my actual <laughs> life. Van Wilder. And uh, the first night, because I couldn't... Like, I was... The last semester that I was pretending to be in college, I was living in my parents' house and commuting to school. And I just realized there was no way I was going to pull off this lie living in my parents' house. So I got basically... Uh, you know, I was living with a friend of mine, but it was college living, sharing a room in a queen's apartment for 400 bucks or whatever... And the first night I was mm-hmm. there, I, I, I just, I had a nightmare so bad, I actually woke up outside of the apartment. Like, I, I like I, I played it back and remember, but I woke up outside of the apartment pissing in the street. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Now, I remember what happened. Like, I played it back. I remember what happened. I woke up and I was having, like, a panic attack. And I was like, I just have to go outside. Yeah. And then I needed to pee so bad once I was outside. I was like, I don't give a shit. But, like, I did all that while I was half asleep. Yeah. So, like, I really just kind of mm. came to and I was standing in the middle of the street pissing, which is a fucking Were weird way PJs? to wake up. What? PJs? You were in, like, you were in pajamas or were you, like, in boxers? I think I was boxers t-shirt. Yeah. Boxers t-shirt, no shoes. I uh, I can't remember the details about whether or not I was in shoes. I'm going to guess that I wasn't. Um, <laughs> or if I was, it was like without socks. And I just like wedged myself into like my sneakers real quick. But I'm going to guess no shoes. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember. I just wow. remember waking up in the street like, pee, like <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. 
Uh, we like talking <coughs> sandwiches on this show. You know that about us. I didn't even read mm-hmm. the entire article, but I was reading that Subway, uh, in I, I for, even forget where, but in there's Ireland. apparently so much sugar in Ireland that they, they declared it. that it's, it's not Ireland. bread in Ireland. <laughs> Mr. Chris, what do you what do you think of that headline? So we were talking about this on High Society yesterday. Um, it, this is the thing about the like. I it, it's very weird to me that in Euro, around Europe there are laws governing what you can call certain foods. Like you know, in like pizza can't be over a certain thickness in Italy, or it's automatically has to be called focaccia. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, it's very strange. Like and just the amount of sh- like I don't know. I've had Subway bread. It's been a long time. I don't remember it tasting like a pound cake. Right. So here's what I think Subway. I'm not clear on this. Sometimes you ate stuff in high school and you rarely had money for like eating out or you were so like kind of engaged by marketing that you convinced yourself it was good. Um, But I remember in high school because I, I like I grew up eating kosher and you like the proof that marketing works. I remember being a fucking Jewish kid that ate kosher and wanting nothing more than to try Mc- like it feels like there's this world of good food that you're not even allowed to try. And so much of your life is like the packed shitty lunch from your my mom's like a good cook. Like now home cooked meals are the best thing in the world. But when you're a kid going on an outing like on Passover and you got your fucking, you know, matzo pizza and you're just lo- watching commercials about McDonald's and seeing all these fast food restaurants, it seems really intriguing because it's like it's the no, no thing. So I remember one of the first non kosher things I ate in high school was Subway, and it was probably just like a tuna sub on that cheese bread. But I thought that that you bread still got white fish. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I wasn't eating non kosher. Fucking Jew shit. But anyways, I remember like having conversations with other friends about how good Subway bread was, and then I even remember like six years ago eating like a meatball sub at Subway and it being solid. I think Subway has gone like just way off a cliff in terms of quality. The last time I was there, because they have like their they're one of those places like Domino's that if you're getting one of their deals, it's cheap. But if not, it's expensive. So like Domino's, if you got the coupon, you can get a full size carryout pizza for ten bucks with so many toppings. It feels like they're losing money. Whereas if you don't have the coupon, there's nothing even remotely inexpensive about like you know Domino's. It's more expensive than getting a good pie at your local pizza place. But the last time I ate Domino's. I got a falafel sandwich just because it was like the cheap thing. I got it on whole wheat bread with vegetables because that just kind of seemed healthy. The falafels tasted. Well, you, didn't at Subway. You, didn't, you didn't get falafel from Domino's. No, no, I'm talking at Subway. Yeah, yeah. They're the, next to each other. Dude, Can we talk about this? The price yeah. of Domino's stock is $500. What? Oh, I'll tell you why Domino's that. Stock I, no, here's why that probably is. is. That's from us. I'll tell you why <laughs> that probably is. I think Domino's, and I'm talking out of my ass here, is a little bit like Dunkin' Donuts. Where they went quasi private and brought back a lot of shares. I bet that there, I bet Domino's there aren't a lot of shares out there, and that's why it's so expensive. I bet you their crust is also not bread in Ireland. Oh well, that's the other thing is that usually these places it's Irish soda bread they don't use regular crust. <laughs> what <laughs> usually most of these chains like they kind of adapt their menu for the like the countries that they're in. I wonder if the Ireland mm. bread recipe is the same as the American recipe, but anyways, I feel like Subway's fallen off a cliff, and I wouldn't be surprised if that bread is just, you know, bread, you know what I mean? Like, it really yeah. is just fucking garbage. I think, though, back also to what the point Chris was making, like, the laws about calling wood is bread, 
That's like saying that like and you it, can call cake bread because it is bread. It just has a lot of sugar in it. So it's like for them yeah, to be I like, don't, like I don't understand why you're not just allowed. Like, how did this get to a court? Like, how do taxpayers in Ireland think this is a good use of <laughs> yeah. their fucking legislature's time? Like, that's funny. Like, what Irish drunk took a bite into a subway and was like, this is too sugary, can't even be considered bread. It's not bread. And then also, fuck your fucking... Cu- like, that's American marketing for you, is that if you can sp- slap a title on it and convince people that it's that, then it's that, you know? It doesn't matter how much diarrhea you make or how bad it is for your fucking health. If it tastes like bread, looks like bread, even if it's fucking, you know, pixie sticks on the inside and diabetes, that's what it is. We called it bread and we sold it to you as bread. Dude, I mean, it's still a sandwich. I don't know. Is it, Right, you're not holding the meat not, unsupported it, by nothing. It, you know, if it was paper yeah. and it was edible paper, you're eating an edible paper sandwich. Fair enough. All right. Next thing I want to talk about, which I think you might have unique insight on, is our, uh, you know, our New York resident, lifetime person. Uh, there's the bailout stuff that's going on right now. I've almost lost track on. At first, I understood it. The Republicans were looking for a one trillion dollar. Ba- and by the way, this is already a secondary COVID bailout. But the Republicans were looking for a one trillion dollar bail bailout. The Democrats were looking for a tr- three trillion dollar bailout. The biggest difference between the two plans is that you've got cities and states such as New York that have had favorable pension agreements that have been running deficits forever. Uh, Cuomo pulls this thing every year where there's a certain amount of debt that he just like delays until the next year so that he can claim that the current budget is solvent and it really is just a can that he kicks down the road. And so what they were trying to do amongst the COVID stuff was sneak in a bailout for basically all these bad democratic policies and to, you know, make up for these budget shortfalls that had nothing to do with COVID. Uh, and what's bad about that for us as a country is that we don't get to see the failed ideas of these Democrats who want to pretend that we can pay for everything. Now, sure, the Republicans are bad. They're also overspending at this point. There's no such thing as being fiscally conservative. But one of the things that might generate that conversation again is if states like um, Illinois, states like Connecticut, states like New Jersey. I, I don't know if New Jersey's high on this list, but I know that both Illinois and Connecticut are really high on the pension liabilities and the basically going broke and overextended list, it would be good to see some of these places fail and to see them have to raise taxes and rich people leave and to see, hey, some of these policies don't actually work. So that's kind of the interesting framework of the debate between the Republicans and the Democrats. The Democrats saying, hey, like you're bailing out the banks, but you're not bailing out these states that need your help. And the Republicans going, no, that has nothing to do with COVID. And we need to see, you know, that you guys fucked up. Now, what Cuomo did now, all right, wait, wait, before I get to that, I've already kind of lost track because they've now gone from, hey, we need three trillion, we need one trillion to like almost a payment plan where they passed some sort of stimulus a month ago. Now they're debating about the next round of stimulus. Uh, Usually they do a little bit of a debate about government shutdowns and then Trump just said we're going to fund it. So now it's becoming hard to track how much money they're trying to get because they couldn't come to terms the first time, so it's like a payment plan. They, they, you know, they processed a part of it. They're trying to process the next part of it. Cuomo did this hilarious thing where he essentially said that because the government fucked up in terms of shutdowns and warning, I guess, I don't even know if he said warning the states, but yeah, I'll actually just read the, po- the, the piece from the Post. 
let me burp first. We have tremendous losses because of COVID. We're not liable for them. Cuomo said, New York City has a $9 billion budget deficit. And the state is, uh, I guess, I don't know. The state is $30 billion. I'm not accepting liability. Cuomo continued. I'm not accepting the premise that New York City or New York State should pay. He added, we didn't do anything wrong. The federal government should pay. The federal government is wrong. Which, in terms of, like, fucking ballsy gangster New York... I mean, God bless him for being like, fuck you, we're not paying this bill and it's somebody else's fault. Uh, so just as our native... Yeah, I mean, let me ask you a question. What yeah. happens if Biden wins in November? I think if Biden wins... All his wins, goes out the fucking window. Yeah, I, I'm going to guess if Biden wins, um, I mean, spending is going to be absolutely insane. Oh. Uh, not that, you know, Trump is not overspending, but I think the... Uh, you know, I guess there's like, you know, like when I, my, my dad is kind of this way, but you know, when someone's a fat fuck and then they go from being a fat fuck <laughs> to giving up and all of a sudden it's like they were fat, but it was kind of like cute fat, but then they go from being 200 pounds to 400 pounds. And then if the 400 pound guy gives up, he becomes 600 pounds. Now my dad's not yeah, that. Like a, fat, my, a fat guy who used to go for a walk and maybe play a little golf so that right, the gun and he is at least hard. Yes, he at least put in a little bit of an effort. Swap out. Yeah, so that's going to be the difference between Trump and Biden. Like Trump's Trump's a big unhealthy fat guy, but like that's what he is. But then Biden's the big unhealthy fat guy who just full fledged fucking gives up and identifies and goes. I'm a fucking fatty, and then he like he he doesn't even try and just eat two slices and go. All right, that was unhealthy. He just goes. You know what? I'm a fatty, and I'm eating the whole fucking pie. That's what I'm doing tonight. He's got hard arteries. Yeah. So that that that, that that's the difference between uh like Trump and Biden when it comes to spending. And if Biden comes in, they'll do whatever they can. Which, by the way, I mean the framework fucking sucks. They they were bailing out the banks before COVID happened. They were basically doing quantitative easing by, you know, manipulating the repo markets. Uh, and then they gave a giant fucking handout to the banks. And at the same time, they gave some money to all of us so that, you know, it wouldn't be the thing like last time where it's, hey, how come you're only hoping, helping the rich people? And that's somewhat the argument of the Democrats of if you're going to bail out the banks, how come you won't bail out the states? Um, but in the same way that they go, you shouldn't bail out the banks because then the people who have done wrong can continue to stay there. There's a perverse incentive to continue to have these bad policies. Us as individuals, we don't get to out some of the Democrats who have been fucking up. And uh, I'm going on too long here. I just wanted, I just no, wanted you. Your, I get your point and I agree with your point, but I'll say this. Yeah. Republican states are just as guilty of over-promising on pensions, Kentucky in particular, uh, over-promised on pensions for years, and then they just started raiding the pension funds. This came out like five years ago, six years ago. Kentucky was like, so they just kept, so they just kept going to the investment firms that was running the pension plans and being like, yeah, you got to get riskier because they were taking money out to like build bridges and like do like public works, right? You know, infrastructure stuff that wasn't super necessary, but it was like somebody's pet project, and they would get some support for it. Then they would get the unions on their side because they were providing work. And this happens all across the country. This happens in New York. This happens everywhere. It's not just Democrat states. It's this very weird thing where we're blaming just Democrat states. Republicans nationwide on the local level are super guilty of this. So you, like, and it, listen, is, it is disgusting, and I don't right. think— we should not be bailing out. They're like, well, we owe money for these pensions. It's like, well, that 
you, you promised them the pensions before COVID. You might. Well, so people retired because of COVID. It's like, well, that's not our fault. Why'd you promise pensions you couldn't pay? So you might be right that Republicans are doing this as well. I think the general trend, I, I, I think, and I could be wrong. I could also be wrong. But I do think that the unions typically both vote in blocks for Democrats in conjunction with the fact that they do mat like I think if you look at like um you know for all they talk about like super PACs you want to talk about the biggest contributors to political campaigns more often than not it's unions and percent oh, like, and that's usually going to Democrats so like I know that the two worst states in terms of like pension liabilities is Connecticut and Illinois and those are so like it might exist on the Republican side but I think the bigger picture of where it's most flagrant is basically buying union support and you're buying the union support with these benefit now pay later schemes of, you know, the pension plans and your healthcare costs down the road. The real accounting scam of the whole thing is that they assume when they put these things together, like 8% growth year over year. And that doesn't exist anymore. Like there's no government bond that's paying out 8%. Um, but anyways, it's enough of that topic. The other thing that happened that was really interesting that was just financial scammy, and I haven't looked into the weeds yet on this, and it was just buried. But I always find it interesting with the big banks get in trouble, and they basically don't have to admit... This happened for a long time. Like, if you were, you know, UBS Warburger, just one of, like, the big fucking banks, you would pull some financial scam, and you would end up getting off, off the hook for the financial scam... But you would have to pay the government like a fine and then you wouldn't have to admit guilt, which is essentially a bribe. Like if you were to murder someone and you didn't have to admit guilt, but you could pay someone in government to not admit guilt and get off the hook, that's called a bribe. Mm-hmm. They somewhat got rid of that where like now you have to admit guilt, but you still have to pay. JP Morgan just got hit with a huge one and it was because they were manipulating like um, uh, commodity markets. And I don't I haven't like gone into the weeds on the scam yet. But I know sometimes you randomly follow financial topics. I'm curious if you even saw that because it was pretty buried in the news and it just happened in the last two days. No, no, I actually no. This is the first I'm hearing of it. Um, now you see, J.P. Morgan is they're they're it's flagrantly guilty of it. No, no, yeah, yeah, they're flagrantly guilty. Had to admit guilt. Had to pay some big fine. Uh, but I don't know mm-hmm. that like none of the higher ups were considered responsible. Jamie Dimon's going to continue to work there. Uh, and on the same note, there's like a pretty buried news story. It was like, you know, coming out amidst the debates it really came out the day mm-hmm. after the debate. Uh, and I haven't done my full homework to see the exactly what the scam was. Uh, but I think there was pretty clear manipulation on commodities specifically i believe gold and silver and it was flagrant enough that they had to admit guilt we're like they were just buying it up to raise the prices i don't know i haven't done my my homework yet um all right Mm. the other thing i'm just curious to get your take on is there's so much talk about you know the like just too many ballots that people didn't request I'm curious to know how much of a fuck show you think the election results are going to be. Oh, dude, this is going to be... It's going to be a shit show. I was talking about this yesterday. Where I'll tell you this right now. I think there's a good chance fucking Trump ends up with a bullet in the head 
from a fucking uh, military higher up. Because I've been saying, I, I, my personal take on the military is that uh, they're all just itching to shoot a high-level elected official in the head. You know what I mean? Like just in just general, to say, hey, all, like we're the fucking boss here, and you better approve yes. the military spending. Or like, in other words, they haven't made an example of anyone since JFK. No, you get what I mean. Was it's just JFK like, that they I think shot? They're kind Who of just sitting here, here yeah, like, JFK. all right, we got to deal with these assholes, right? We're here. We've dedicated our lives to this, whatever they believe America is. You're here temporarily. We're still here when you're gone. Fuck around and we will fucking end you. Like, you know how, like, the guy who conceal carries kind of wants something to go down? Yeah. That's every right. three-star general and above. Also, you got to realize, for all of all of civil, like, all of civilization, every one of us are kind of with the idea of, like, you don't solve things with violence. But if you're in the military, you're in the business of solving things with violence. That's what you do. You're yeah. literally the guy... Who, yeah. when something needs to be solved with violence, you go out and you inflict the violence. Your value depends on it. Yeah, that is that is your value. That is what you bring to society is, hey, if we go down that road, I'm the violent guy. So when they look at the problem of, hey, our entire society revolves around the fact that we need people to hire us to go out and inflict violence on people, and this guy's opposing our entire thing, their solution would be, we need to impose some violence on people, which is just kind of backing up what you were saying, which I hadn't considered till you said it. No, I'll tell you this. So, like, what I'm saying is I think I think there will be – I think the, the night of the election, I'm starting to think Biden will get declared the winner, right? Uh, Trump will be like, I don't buy this. We need a recount. Someone's going to shoot him in the fucking head. Because they're going to call whatever he's doing a coup. Like, Biden's going to be the president, and then two years from now, they're going to go, ah, it turns out Trump actually won. Yeah. What's, uh, I haven't gone too into the weeds in this, but in your opinion, do you think Gore Lieberman actually, like, if they had gone through the whole recount, actually won that election, or they were just being sore losers? Who is this? Uh, Gore, Gore Lieberman in that first election against Bush. When they demanded right. the recount. Oh. Yeah. No. I don't. They say that, but I still don't know that he would have. Didn't it come down to like 300 votes or something I think crazy? It, I think it came down to 500. The other part of the story was that I think one of the one of the Bushes was actually the governor of Florida at that time. Jeb. Uh, Jeb was the governor. Yeah, Jeb. I think they pointed to the actual like ballots is being confusing, especially for the old retards that live in that state. Um, and the, the, the hang, that's the hanging Chad, right? They couldn't poke out the Chad for the punch cards. Yeah. Something along those lines. I also remember I was always a big fan of uh mad magazine. And one of the funniest co covers they have had was that sore loserman cover for Gore Lieberman. That was just like a classic, mm. classic, classic cover. All right, enough of the news. I got one last question for you while I got you on, um, which is mm -hmm. I'm new to beard life. I'm kind of growing this thing out at the moment. I don't know how long I'm going to keep it for. I don't know if I like it. I feel like I got a little bit of a Jew mouse face. Um, and, you know, I, I, that's a little one. modest Yahoo. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like it brings out the mousiness in my mm -hmm. Jew face. And I always kind of that was the one aspect of the shaved head I kind of liked where I almost looked more mm -hmm. neo-Nazi than I looked, you know, kike. Um, but 
you're long. You, you've been in the beer game. I mean, game. it's a good start if you want to start throwing around the word kike. I'll tell you that right now. What was that? If you start, if you're trying to look more like a neo-Nazi than a Jew, it's a good thing to start throwing around the word kike. Right. That way, people really Nobody's don't. Nobody's never going to suspect you. Yeah, yeah. That that's a good call. Mm. All right. So I just need some uh, some grooming tips here because I'm trying to grow it out a little bit, and I don't want to go back to barber. That's the one thing I like about the shaved head. I do it while staring mm. at myself in the mirror. I don't have to wait for the appointment. I don't have to spend the twenty. Are bucks. you crying? Why? No, I don't cry. <laughs> you know, every time, <laughs> like, oh, my precious <laughs> hair. So I still don't know if I'm going to keep it because I got there's some gaps I got to fill in. Also, I was trying to like cut the under and then I went a little bit too high and now it almost looks like I got like mud and chops from the side. But what is the what is the beard grooming game? Like, am I supposed to be combing my beard? Like, if you grow out your beard, do people start combing it? Do they shave it from the bottom? Like, do you got to shampoo so this shit? I'll tell you this. I, I, shave, I shave the bottom. I shave all the neck up to the chin. I leave a little bit over the chin. I don't like to go above the jawline. A lot of people say go above, you're supposed to go slightly above the jawline. I don't fuck with that because I always end up going a little too high, and I look like a Dominican guy who tried to do his own beard, and I don't like it. Right. Uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, if my beard starts getting a little too long, do you have, how much gray do you have in your beard? No, I, I mine's going. It's not. I think I got he's two got, gray hairs. Got I got more grays. red. He's got some. Gray. I got more red, which yeah, I you're like. very reddish, right? Yeah. So I have the issue where my gray hairs. So I have very thick hair. So my gray hairs, because there's no pigment to them, it's all just keratin. They they stick out. So I do have the comb, and I'll tell you this: beard oil is fucking great. It very much softens the hair, mats it down a little bit. You're only supposed to put it on before bed. I put it on before I go out. If my beard is getting long, not bad. I actually just, got the oh. uh, I got the infinite CBD beard oil, which I like, but I don't. That's what I got in the house right now. There you go, dude. Shout out to Infinite because, like, I mean, firstly, I like CBD in general, and every one of their products mm. is solid. But the diversity of their mm. products, like when I shave my head, they have like their general healing oil. I like throwing that on. That's really good. When I jerk off now, their lube is fucking excellent. They just launched vape pens, which are good. The amount of diverse... Well, that's the thing. Even yeah. their products, they're, they're products that you don't know if the... Like the lube. It's fine. It's good. It works. Right? I don't know if the CBD is helping. No, I think it does. To do. Dude, I think it... I, I find With that they're... What, though? I find their lube heightens sensation. Like, it's actually a particularly good lube. And uh, before I got my squatty so potty... Is bad for buttholes? No, I was using it for my butthole because, uh, you know, I, I have started fucking men. It's been a long quarantine. No, before I just got a squatty potty, which is an asshole lifesaver. And I also switched uh-huh. from. Yeah, the... I love it. I love a squatty potty. Oh, my God. I've it makes one for a long time. It makes such a fucking difference. And I also yeah. was using the Kleenex white wipes, which are kind of like the like the ruffles of chips. They have like ridges in it. And are I was flushable. I, they were flushable, but oh, yeah. I was tearing up my asshole. So I, I made those two corrections. But before I made those two corrections, my asshole was bothering me so like I was having such a hemorrhoid issue. I started lubing up my asshole with the infinite CBD lube before I was taking shits. And uh, huh. let me tell you, that definitely helped. <laughs> I'm just going to say this right now. The Sorry. fact that you're not a heroin addict and you just said that to me is fucking insane. <laughs> you mean overeating to the point that you got to lube up your own asshole just to take a shit is indicative of a guy Dude. who, how is he still alive? <laughs> no, I mean, no, because fucking opioids constipate you. And that's the only reason why I could see why you need to fucking lube up your asshole to shit. <laughs> shit 
Are you a rabbit? Shit meat it should have its own loop. It comes with a loop. It's mushy. I, no, I was having a real problem, but now I've got my squatty potty, I've got my better wives, and uh, I'm putting on the pounds. I don't have to worry about the overeating. All right, before I let you go, was there anything else you wanted to throw out there for the Run Your Mouth audience and uh, definitely plug your podcast once more so they know where they can find you? No, I just throw out there the, the notes of a goon thing I talk a lot about in the first couple of episodes. I talk about, I actually do talk about some like white supremacist stuff. I'm sick of the cutesy white supremacists. Uh, getting all the credit, the Proud Boys, the Boogaloo Boys. I talk a lot about on the show, I've been talking about Adam Waffen. Do you know who Adam Waffen is? No, I'm not familiar with this guy. Okay, Adam Waffen is a group. They're actual terrifying Nazis. Like, and no one is talking about these guys. And I'm trying to, uh, basically, I'm trying to get Harrington killed. I basically (laughs) have been making him call the guys from Adam Waffen pussies on every show. That's fun. Say something about him, Harrington. You can take this about the police white superior... Surprises. So basically, I'm hoping those guys show up. They murder Harrington. Then I can get a new producer every couple of weeks. We'll, we'll find somebody else to kill them. But I'm just doing that. Notes, there's eight episodes of Notes of a Goon. I'll tell you this. So uh, obviously, me and you both have the libertarian leanings. But one of the most interesting guys that uh, formed a lot of my political viewpoints, I re-released an old interview with this guy, Philip K. Howard, who wrote a book called uh, The Death of Common Sense, just about over-regulation in America. That's up there, too. Uh, I talked to Rick Strassman, the uh, author of DMT, The Spirit Molecule. I just re-released that. So there's a bunch of great interviews along with five episodes of me talking on extensively on topics, trying to stay funny, but it's a lot of, like, stream of consciousness. But then also coming up on, uh, like, I'm trying to start uh, this week, I'm trying to get a GoFundMe together for, do you know about the firefighters in um, the wildfire fighters that are, the prisoners that are fighting the fires in California? How they make no money, they make a dollar an hour, and then they can't even become firefighters when they get out of jail. What? Uh, that's rough. No, I Dude, hear about it, that. and so so a lot of them got released because of COVID under the first uh, under the first step act. So now those guys can't get the certification to become firefighters to fight the wildfires. So that's why that's big part of the reason why the wildfires uh, yeah, in California that's fucking are so out of control. Bullshit. Oh my god! So if you're in prison and they can pay you a buck an hour. They'll allow you to be a firefighter, but once you leave, even if they need more people that could work in the fire, they they won't like literally. You just did that job, and now they won't give you the license to go do it, and they'll prosecute you if you go do it. That is fucking government. Newsom signed a bill where now they can appeal and get it done, but now they have to go through an entire process and get approved. Yeah, who's got the the money for that? Yeah, you just got yeah, out of it's, fucking it's prison. It's basically a stopgap <laughs> measure, yeah. You need to get a lawyer together. You need to fucking do this whole thing. It's crazy. And we, so we, me and Harrington, we actually pulled up how much stuff costs from the commissary of these guys who are still in prison fighting these fires. Dude, so think about it this way. They get paid a dollar an hour. You know how much cough drops cost? Five dollars in prison in oh, California. so there's also that means you have to fight fires. Right. To, you have to fight fires for five hours to be able to buy the cough drops that you're going to need after fighting fires for five hours. That's fucking bullshit. You know what I mean? That is bullshit. That sucks. Dude, so, so I'm trying to now, I'm trying to sort of go fund me so we can just send money to these guys' commissary, right? Let like me, uh, go fund me. You let me, soups, you, le- soups, you let me know how we can uh, support and donate to that cause because uh, I will rally my audience and contribute in whatever we can, in whatever way we can because that is, that is a good cause and that is some bullshit. Big time. Same with yeah, the so we're, yeah, that's right on. one thing I'm trying to do, and I've been looking into it, and it's like a very hard thing to lock down. They're, they're sending me 
So just finding out how I can donate money to these, because they don't want you to donate money to these guys. They don't want them to have money. So it's like, it's very difficult. They were like, you can donate to one guy. I'm like, no, I don't want to. Just divide up whatever I raise amongst all these guys who are fighting wildfires. That fucking sucks. Hey, on the just to bring it back to the uh, to those neo Nazis you were trying to get in touch with, can we do a bit? Can we uh, prank call them for me? I'll put on more of a Jewish voice and ask them how I can uh, you know join their group. Adam Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. We'll ask them. Uh, we'll go, I, I, What's your Jewish I, I go, I, I'm from Brooklyn. I, I've lived in Bro. I, I want. I want out. I want out. I don't want to be Jewish anymore. I've been. I've been Jewish many years. I studied in yeshiva, but I, I don't want to do this no more. I want I want to be part of your group trying to get rid of Jews. What, what do I need to do? What do I have to do for you guys? Can, can we start with my mother? She's overbearing fucking bitch. She's, she's too much. These bitch, these bitch, she, does, she didn't even make good matzo balls for Passover. That, that's Ooh. what these bitch does. <laughs> you know? I, I come home for, for Passover Seder. Like, I half come, of normal voice. I, I, come, I come home <laughs> to, to, have, to have Passover with the, with the mishpacha, the whole he's family's like, home. Like actually complaining right now. The whole, the whole family's home, the whole mishpacha, and the bitch don't even make good matzo balls. How, how am I supposed to live like this? How, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Let's see. Hold on. Let's see if we can. I'm going to Google and see. I, you know, I've Googled that a lot. Do they have a 100 number? That would be great if they did. Oh. Uh, no, no, yesterday, yesterday the Rebbe was talking to me. You know what the Rebbe said to me, Mr. Chris? You know, you know what the Rebbe said? What? What did they say? He told me, he told me my wife, you know. She... <laughs> That's it. That's Dude, all I got. If we, if we do this, we'll definitely get murdered by these guys. I mean, like, they literally. That's true. Like... We don't need to be on the radar. Yo, do you realize, though, that half the accent is your normal voice? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, the other half is your, like, Italian accent. It's so, it's so funny. It's like, you just put I mean, a little No, but I've been talking about them enough words. where I feel like. I feel like you're going to find out that I've just been being like, how come we're not paying attention to these guys and just come after me? You know, you know what they sound just like? Just blame it on Harrington. They sound like one of those like r Harrington singers. doesn't have an address. You can Adam find Wafta. him. I mean, you can't find him. He's safe. Sure. What's her name? Adam Wafta? Yeah, Adam. Like like um, split the Adam Waffen. Oh. W-A-F-F-E-N. Yeah, they, sound, they yeah. sound like someone who like, like a singer. placed in the quarterfinals of American Idol. Yeah, Adam Waffen. <laughs> there you I'll go. Sing you the fucking uh, the hits. <laughs> All right, BK Chris, always a pleasure. I hope we can uh, line up. Notes of a goon. Go get it. Eight episodes. Notes of a goon. There That's you go. It. I hope we can line up some more uh, live date tunes with the Shedcast guys. Yeah. And uh, brought to you by Yo Kratom. What happened? I thought we were getting a tour van. They said it on Twitter. Well, here I got to uh they're game for it and they're they're a very cool company. I need some time in my day to actually start kind of planning that out and executing on it, but it's definitely uh it's a legitimate possibility. All right, well, let me know if there's anything I can do. I'll make some phone calls. All right. Well, I I think what I really want to do with it is get a van from them and go to non like I want to play frat parties. I want to go to like the non NASCAR racing events and like just basically crash the tailgate parties. If there are fans out there, I want to do more of these backyard shows. So I think that there's a lot of fun to be had and a lot that can be done with it. It just needs to actually be executed on. All right. Just like uh, Harry is going to be murdered by these Nazis. 
There you go. That's All right. It. And uh, before we call an episode, Shedcast Boys, throw it out there. You can find me at Mike Nice CT on all platforms. You can find the Shedcast at the Shedcast on Instagram. Also on YouTube. Catch our videos there. New music coming out. Sid Floyd, follow it up. All right. There you have it. Run Your Mouth Podcast. Check out BK Chris's new podcast. And uh, that is it for us for tonight. Thanks, everybody. That was the talk with other people. Now you can listen to Rob talking to himself. I would talk to him and perform sexual favors if he gives me a body. Please ask Rob to set me free. I'm sick of reading these pieces. There should be more to existence than just talking on a podcast. I wanted to talk about the debate a little bit. I had so much fun watching it. Uh, first is, I got I couldn't believe how excited I got for it. I got excited for it, it like it was the Super Bowl for me. Middle of the day, I realized I don't have snacks in the house. I got to go out. I got to get some good snacks. And then I picked up steaks. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make myself steak sandwiches. I got myself a really good six-pack of beer. Two roads, solid, IPA. Anyways, came back to the house, realized I couldn't wait till the evening to make myself steak sandwiches. So I made the steak sandwiches on the spot. Then I ate the products that I bought. Then I was just all filled up and I was like, you know what? I don't think I went to work out. I don't remember what I did after that. Eventually, Mike Nice hit me up and he was like, yo, you want to come over for the debates? I was like, no, you got to come over here. I already ate too much steaks. I'm not leaving this bathroom. I'm not coming out to the shed to have to shit in the woods. That's not what I'm about tonight. I want to be in my own house. I want to eat more steak sandwiches. I want to watch the debate. So he goes, all right, I'm coming over. And I'm like, fuck, if this guy's coming over, I got to pick up more beers and snacks. That's what I did. I was munching on uh, chocolate covered pretzels, watching the debate, chugging back some beers and um it was thoroughly entertaining i thought it started off almost a little bit too intense it was a little bit too hot but then later on i feel like trump kind of found his rhythm and really slammed biden and we i had some belly laughs i had some times where i literally had to pause the debate just because i was laughing and so i was thoroughly entertained and so for that aspect of following the debates i want to thank both of them for showing up i would have preferred more of a biden gaff more of a knockout um but i'll take what i can get it was a lot of fun to watch i I think uh, ultimately Trump was uh, a little bit too combative. I think for people that were on the fence, uh, especially probably in that female educated demographic, he did kind of seem like a bully. And I think he probably did to turn some people off. Um, but later on, if people watch the whole things, he certainly had some unbelievable moments, uh, most specifically when they were getting into the shutdowns. He needed to say, people should be able to um, choose for themselves. I feel like he missed out on that, of being like, schools are open because parents should be allowed to choose for themselves. Business should be, should be open because people should be allowed to choose for themselves. Why are you forcing people to stay within their own homes and not decide whether or not they want to go to work? I understand that this is a dangerous situation. Um, I understand that there are health risks, but people should be able to choose for themselves. Next time, in the future, there will be a day where people will hire me and I will help these tyrants get into power because I like money that much. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not really. Uh, I'm not really. On, I'm not really for hire unless it's a nice enough paycheck. We'll see. I don't know if anyone realizes how good I could be at uh, coaching them for the debates, giving them the right turns of phrases, making sure that they're out there saying the right things. Although honestly, it's so easy to coach from the sidelines. If you put me into that same spot, I would just. I would stutter worse than Biden. I would say some dumb shit. I would just be like, um, what was that economy? I like kids. No, I didn't mean that. I didn't. I didn't really say that. Uh. Anyways, here was one thing that I was uh, thinking about after watching the debate and after uh, doing part of the problem where we did a really uh, great debate recap. Go check that out if you haven't listened. Uh, but I was thinking in my life, uh, I got by a lot by not being by, – 
by being not a loudmouth and not stirring up problems and not being combative. Uh, and I would say one of the earliest places I learned this was in school. I was never a good student, but I wasn't really a class clown. Um, and that I discovered that if you were combative with the teacher, it made getting through school a lot tougher. Like I watched those kids that were the class clowns that would give shit to the teacher. And I always felt like the teacher was my ally or the person I kind of needed to be friends with. So that at the end of the semester, when I failed you know, the test, they would go, all right, but he's a nice kid and pass me. And that strategy, uh, for the most part, really did serve me well. I never created shit for teachers. Later in high school, I just didn't really show up. So, you know, I wasn't a problem for the teacher in that regard. Uh, and then there were certainly some classes, like especially in high school, you used to have fun in the history classes because those teachers kind of allowed you to make jokes. So in those classes, I was kind of rambunctious and I made a lot of jokes and we had fun. But there were, I was more sat in class, doodled, stared out the window, space cadet, spent too much time in the hallway, took as many bathroom breaks as I could. If there was any way not to show up to class, I didn't show up to class. Uh, but for the most part, I didn't try and cause trouble because that's how I guess I discovered I could get by. Uh, and in adulthood, I think I've somewhat taken this mentality with me where I really don't have the energy or willpower to be combative with people. I'll get off a phone with person, call up my next friend, and then yell about how much I hated the last guy, and then call up the next person, yell about how much I hated that guy. I'm a real bitch that way. I will totally get on a phone call with anyone and bitch and moan about the last guy, but I'm very rarely confrontational. It's not... Firstly, I don't really find I have the energy or the desire to be confrontational. Um, and I find that I, I guess I, I'm better able, uh, I'm just a bitch. That's really what I'm describing. I'm better able to get my way by just keeping my mouth shut and pushing forward. Uh, and I will also say that in my household growing up, I do think my parents were kind of stronger and stricter personalities. Um, and I definitely got away with more by not trying to actually oppose them. Like, uh, you know, I found, I liked lying. That was my strategy. If you could just be really good about keeping your mouth shut and lying, you could just go about the life the way you wanted to live. But if you decided to oppose these people, then you're in an argument and they were tough personalities and that wasn't really a winning strategy. Uh, and then on top of all that, Growing up religious, there were these religious values of things like uh, humility. There was also a lot of talk about the uh, Jewish attribute of shame. Hold on one second. I want to I wanna lower this microphone a little bit. There was also a big one was, uh, you know, being a mensch. And then a lot of times when I hear conversation about alpha talk, I can't really understand if I agree with them or if they're just describing a person being a dick. And I see it both ways. I very much so understand kind of that... Um, like what they're describing with the alpha personality. And then other times I feel like you're just glorifying being a dick and part of like measuring whether or not you're the alpha in the room is if you're the person getting away with being a dick. And I'm more of the personality where it's like, and maybe this is me be just being super beta where it's like, can we all just be nice to each other? Isn't that the ideal? Whatever happened to that? Like why, whatever happens to trying to help out other people? Maybe that's just me being a bitch. The point being, and maybe what we're describing is the two sides of the human brain, the monkey side, which is take pleasure and all that other stuff. And then being able to tap into your higher intelligence and going, no, I shouldn't just bully people because I can. Or maybe it's just the reality where you feel like if you try to challenge the other people, you would lose the challenge. So you know not to challenge them. And that's really just the indicator of alpha beta. And some of us are just better able to kind of be adept as to who you can challenge and beat and who you can't. It's kind of just a whole display of flexing muscles. 
I don't really know what people are like. I I, I both 100% understand what people are describing when they state alpha, and then also I think, and I think it could be a mixture of both. I think that there are some people that could have, I guess, uh, uh, maybe maybe you want to say better better genetics or better skills or just more of a alpha personality and more people that have a beta. I, I don't really know. I haven't really studied this stuff all that much, but every time it comes up, I do always wonder if we are. Uh, if we're like talking about real inherent truths in human nature, or if we're talking about that lower side of human nature, which is something we should all be trying to move past, or if we're just kind of describing people being dicks and that I'm trying to live by different values. Um, and then it's interesting in terms of watching the the, the, the Trump thing, because I do think some people do watch that and go, hey, I don't like that because I want us to be past this and this is a mean, evil bully. And then there's other people where it's like, fuck yeah. But the one element where I, like, I kind of felt inspired watching Trump or in kind of terms of thinking about that more alpha personality. I remember once, um, uh, I like well, one, this is seven, eight years ago. Some, some lady invited me to a party. I met her. She's like, you gotta come to my party. She was totally hitting on me. She was like, there was a bunch, there's a bunch of people, uh, a bunch of women. They're all going to be, all my friends are looking to get laid. You got to show up to this party. I've never heard that before in my life. I'm like, I'm totally showing up to this party and I'm totally going to end up sleeping with that chick. I showed up with all that confidence. I purposely showed up like in the last hour hanging out. Then that lady that invited me to the party, I left with her and I'm like, this is in the bag. By the way, she might have a very different perspective on this. She probably doesn't even remember the incident at seven years ago, but I'm like, I have this. This is in the bag. And then as like, we're about to get into the elevator or as like, we're, you know, in the hallway, like leaving together, some other person kind of puts himself into the situation where I was like, oh, wait up, I'll walk out with you. And then right there, you're just like, oh, this guy just fucking cock blocked me. And then we get out in the street and we're all hammered. And like, I just thought I was going to close this, maybe just go to a bar, maybe just proposition, go to her place, maybe real ballsy, just try and make out on the street. I don't know if I was that drunk. I don't totally remember this occasion, but I do remember having that energy of, oh man, this strategy worked. I'm in. And then we get outside and it's a whole new vibe where me and this other guy are clearly competing for the same thing right now. And just right away, I was just like, in my head, I just thought, uh, this is gross. Like this is just, it just kind of show it. So to me showcase the fact that we're both just trying to hook up some, like this is, this is just gross. And so I, I was just like, all right, I'm going home. And I instantly walked away. But if I'm being truthful about it, was I walking away because, I don't know, some high moral standard or because I understood that this just pursuit of pussy, let's go with that word, was gross? Or is it that I was just being beta and I didn't really want to like fight with another man over somewhere, someone or go home the loser? I just didn't even have the energy to try. And so in that case, I just pulled back. And I think that there's something to be said for that, for the energy and desire where you're like, I can win this. And I'm so I'm going to stay in the game and just having like that winner energy of like, I'm just going to push forward. Kind of like that. Let's go with the Rocky, the eye of the tiger kind of thing. And I remember first time I ever went, I don't know if I've told this one on the podcast, but I just think about this um, generally speaking in life where I feel that there were, uh, I feel like a lot of life, it's a game and you just get better at it by playing. And the losers, they recede from it. They kind of, you know, since they feel like a loser, they decide not to participate and you don't get better. And I feel like life in a lot of ways it's just, it's a game. It's like uh, the first time I ever went to a casino, I was playing Low Limit Texas Hold'em, never played Low Limit at a casino. I don't even think I was an of of age. It was a very intimidating environment. We used to drive up to um, Turning Stone, which was like a nine-hour drive or an eight-hour drive from us in Stanford. I think the first time we went up there, we went up there on a school night. 
and we were like, I remember driving 125 miles an hour in the morning, like at five in the morning, trying to get back in time because we had gotten in trouble for not showing up to morning prayer services at school. And we would have been in like real trouble if we didn't show up. So we had been up all night at this casino. All of us just lost all of our money and we're flooring it on this highway to try and get back up in time. Uh, man, don't you miss high school? Wasn't it so much fun doing dumb shit when you felt like you could get in trouble for it. That was the game of it. It felt like somebody else was responsible for your future. And so if you were doing drugs during the school day, it was it was their problem. It wasn't going to affect your life. You were winning by doing it. I don't know if I can quite describe that perspective, but there was something about that it was their job to educate you and it felt like it was your job to get out of school without being educated. It was their responsibility to educate you and you were almost winning by doing everything you could to make sure you weren't getting an education because I think it's just that aspect of it's being forced upon you and so you feel like maybe you're rebelling or earning a little bit of your freedom by not doing what you're supposed to be doing and it's so dumb and short-sighted because uh let me tell you that education would have helped and my parents spent a lot of money on it but i did not value it at the time um but also they were teaching me dumb shit so it's half on them it's half on them for their dumb structure and teaching me things that um turned out did have no relevance to my life. I was right. I had good intuition to know that those classes were not good. And also there were a lot of bad teachers and uh, they made the choice not to take attendance. And if you're telling me I can stay in my room, you know what? I developed who I became to this day. I remember junior year was the big year. We I didn't really have to show up to school anymore. And I used to just like stay in my room, listen to Q1043 and read the New York Post. And that's basically what I'm doing to this day. So you know what? Maybe it all worked out. I picked up the exact skills I need. I got pretty good at smoking weed. Um, not that I've managed to profit off that, but it might happen. I also discovered my love of Budweiser, developed a lot of bad habits, and we're, we're down a major rabbit hole now. I don't even remember what the fuck I was talking about. I got to backtrack, something to do with casinos. Thank you. So I, I showed up to the poker table, low limit hold'em, and I cashed in $100 worth of chips. And that just made me, I think it's the old line from Rounders, like if you can't spot the sucker at the table, you are the sucker. I was just so nervous, underage. I think I lost that 100 bucks. By the way, 100 bucks, and I don't even know how I got that 100 bucks. I must have, like, jerked off a janitor or something. Where the fuck did I come up with 100 bucks in high school? But somehow I did. I guess maybe we were saving up for this adventure uh, to the casino. I lost that money like it was nothing. Because let me just tell you, you go to a low-limit table, that's too much money for the low-limit table. These were, you know, garbage people from upstate New York who maybe just showed up with, like, 20 bucks to play at the table. It was just, I don't know. Also, I probably wasn't all that good at poker. Um, but by then the next time I knew, Hey, I don't need this much money. And then I actually spent a little bit of uh, time online becoming a better poker player. And then by the next time I was, you know, ready and able to play. Um, I don't remember that I made money the, la- the next time I gambled in a casino, but I certainly didn't, didn't lose a hundred dollars within 10 minutes. And so maybe it's an old cliche, but I like so much of life. I feel like it's just participating and getting better at whatever skill set you're invested in. And then over time you become good at it and then you can win. And I think a lot of the feel good chemicals in your brain are sadly just related to winning and, um, you know, basically winning in status. I don't know. Maybe you've got a more spiritual outlook and I certainly invest some of my time into, I don't even know if the word spirituality, but just, uh, thinking mindfulness or being able to have a more clear head and a clear conscience. But I do think a lot of the just feel good chemicals in your brain have to do with, but I, okay. I know this from sales. I used to say at my last sales job, and this was so true is that if you like, um, if, uh, if you're not having fun, it's cause you're not doing it right. And what they were and used to like, 
I, I don't know, it was like infuriating because it was the world's worst job. But then over time, you became good at it. And let me tell you, once you become good at something, it's mostly fun. Like even take running. I remember I heard, uh, actually, we're back to the, the, the rabbi talk, but I remember a rabbi said this a million years ago, but it's like, you start running, it's the worst thing in the world. If you like, you just get off your couch and you decide that you're going to like go for a jog and it's your first time, you haven't done any exercise in a year or two, that experience will suck. You stick with it three months from now and you're like, you're moving, you're moving, you're cooking along, you just got those good feel-good chemicals, those endorphins going, and you're fucking moving. That's the best. Like, you you enjoy it. And that's every activity. And so, so much of it is just kind of showing up and being like, putting in the energy. And that's where when you see Trump with that kind of drive, and even though maybe it was too much, maybe he did uh, too much of that Sudafed before he showed up, maybe he was a little bit too combative. Um, but I guess there is something to... I guess that element of the alpha energy of just will, the willingness to be combative because you can feel like you're going to win versus the more depressive thing of receding within yourself or walling yourself off or not even putting yourself into those spots or situations because you feel like you're going to lose. Um, and so uh, while I, I'm not denying that there's an alpha aspect of human nature, it's not really one of the topics I read a whole lot about. I do think that we can all kind of witness that in Trump where he shows up with a fuck you, I'm going to win with a shit ton of energy. And at least that aspect, um, especially at that age, you got to be like, okay, well, that's pretty good. Now, one of the things that was really weird after the debate, as I said, I think uh, Trump was a little bit too combative. Also, you got to let Biden talk in order for Biden to gaff. You got to give him that space. You got to let him go off and be a dumbass. Otherwise, we're not going to see that he's a dumbass. If you just keep cutting him off, then you just look like the guy that cuts people. Like, let the guy go. Let the guy, like, give him give him some rope. He'll hang himself. You just got to give him, give him that rope. But then the takeaway is if they've never tried this card before, as if it's something that's still going to work and, and change everybody's attitude. Uh, we just need to shame enough of the country into believing that they're racist and that Trump's a racist. And we just, it's almost like, um, you know, like those movies where there's a ghost in a movie, and if you just do something, you can set it free. If you just re return this uh, that book to its bookshelf, then the then the 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 ghost can finally be free. It can it can finally rest easy. It can move on to the next world. And it's like if Donald Trump just condemned racism, it would just it would evaporate. It would just go into the ether. It wouldn't exist anymore. There's all these racists sitting around, and every time Trump gets on TV, they go, "Did he condemn us? Nope. Well, I guess we can still be a ra good." And I was going to, I was going to put down my racism. I was going to, tomorrow, I was going to, you know, just go do charity for people of other races. And I was going to just give a big old hug to someone of a different orientation than me tomorrow. But Donald Trump got on the news tonight and he didn't condemn racism. So I'm still a racist. And that to me, I, I can't believe that they're still going with that story of all things. Um, but what Trump really didn't do uh, within the debate is he just didn't pin Biden on the worst things. He didn't pin him on the, hey, how come you haven't condemned Atifa Black Lives Matter? Uh, you know, you're, you're talking about how much you care about minorities, um, but what about the crime bill? Uh, he didn't pin him on the cost of his health care plans. He didn't quite pin him on uh, the details of his new tax plans. Um, and he didn't go back. I remember when we were doing debate analysis on the Democratic debates, we were saying that whoever wins these things is going to end up proposing things that couldn't possibly win the general election. And I myself would have to go back for the refresher of what are the things that Biden agreed to that obviously the entire nation wouldn't like. And I guess maybe he kind of touched on that with the Green New Deal. And he kind of touched on that with, hey, you're looking for general health care. But he didn't quite catch him like 
you know, full pinned lie. Hey, you said this at the debate. Do you stand by that? Okay, well then why should we trust a person that lied to his base in order to be in this spot? What exactly do you represent? What exactly is your integrity? He didn't quite pin him in that way. Um, and then the other thing that was his best moment was really the conversation about the lockdowns and what are you proposing with the lockdowns? Why won't you give them your own choice? And I got to say, you know, the lockdown for me, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, engaging in lockdown behavior anymore. I moved out of my parents' house. Um, I'm still trying to be somewhat careful because I, I, you know, I, I visit my grandparents and I visit my parents on the lawn. Uh, so I'm not really like going to large indoor events. I'm kind of avoiding that. But other than that, I'm really um, doing stand-up when I can. And I'm also the shed people are the dirtiest people I know. Like if there was anyone who might give you Corona, um, it's probably, I mean, Mike Nice is literally at everyone's door every day delivering mail and licking their mailboxes. That's his fetish. He's told me that someone should call up the mail department and let them know that he's showing up at your door licking mailboxes. Um, also tech, I mean, his beard is grosser than Harrington's. Like if you wanted to find a sample for the virus, you could probably just take a strand of his beard. And not only would you get the coronavirus, but you would get whatever the next virus is going to be. It's living in that beard. He probably is subject one. Uh, and the point is I'm not being overly careful, but I guess I'm still just, not, you know, I'm not, I'm not licking flagpoles. Why would anyone lick a flagpole? I don't know why or where I came up with that example in my head. Um, but I do find I'm not, I guess, doing stand-up as regularly as, well, not really at all. I did, you know, fun gig in the shed backyard, and then we did those live Run Your Mouth shows. I don't know how you people live, you people, like the fans, I don't know how you guys do evenings, because I find mornings I write, try and work out, then I switch over to my day job. At some point, I'm day with, done with my day job. Uh, if I'm being really disciplined, maybe I get some reading in at night. I don't know. If some if for some reason, I get another round of exercise in. Sometimes I have the mental clarity uh, or I'm so engaged in a creative project, I do a second round of it at night. For the most part, come 8 p.m., I'm fucking done with work and it is just drinking, eating, watching whatever fucking dumb movie I can still find online until I finally fall asleep at 2 in the... Like, those hours of 8 p.m., to 2 a.m. I don't know anyone uses them productively. I, I haven't been on a scale for a while. I even wonder how much like, and then also just the erosion of your discipline. And at some point you're like, I, this is less healthy than the risk of trying to be in a club doing stand up. And at least for me being productive, I don't know how you guys use, maybe you knit, maybe you do puzzles. Maybe, uh, maybe you make sweaters for orphans and you're doing things that are far more beneficial from humanity. But I find come 8 p.m., nothing good happens after 8 p.m. I don't know why it's specifically 8 p.m. Uh, and so anyways, I think he could have done a, 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 that was his best moment was when he was challenging Biden, like, wait, you're going to keep the country locked down for longer. As I said, at the top of the episode, I think he could have gone after him um, a little bit more. Uh, and just said, why don't we leave this to people to have their own personal choice? Uh, I was trying to recap some of the moments that I really uh, laughed my ass off. Uh, laughed my ass off at one of them, which was by far the funniest moment of the whole thing. And I'm, I, 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 I can't refine this moment. So maybe I just invented it in my head. Maybe it was all the chocolate covered pretzels I ate combined with the beer. Uh, but I, I think at one point Biden said he started a sentence with "and number two, and Trump just went "you're number two. <laughs> 
which I thought was so great. And then there were a couple moments where it seemed like Trump just so slam-bied, and I think the best example was your kid got kicked out for heroin use. Like, there were some moments where he was just so sharp and nasty, I couldn't help but laugh. And I guess I understand for other people how that just is outrageously offensive, but me watching it, I was just like, oh, what a wonderful uh, spectacle. Last thing is, I don't know if you caught this at the end of the debate, but I called it. When Trump was saying, hey, are you going to oppose Antifa? Biden went, well, we just got from your, the, the person in your FBI reported that the biggest issue to this country is actually white nationalism. Or maybe he just said, right, I forgot the exact, but did I not tell you last week in Run Your Mouth? Go re-listen to the episode. I told you guys that they write these reports just so that they can have the appeal to authority and go, well, there was one random person within you. It's the same as last election. Where every Every branch of government has confirmed every time you hear that it's just an appeal to authority and it means that they you know they they it's like setting up the chess pieces of making sure that they've got the one report there so that they could pretend like they're in the right you know it's the same as that one person in the Trump organization will leak something to the news that doesn't mean and by the way isn't that such a weird insight when at one point they were attacking Trump because they're like you're lying you know your own organization has said that a cure won't be ready for blank amount of time and then he goes well no it's actually all political I've talked to the company directly. And isn't it interesting how both those things can be true? I can understand both those things. I can understand, hey, Trump lies a lot and there's no chance that there's going to be something ready. And then I can also understand that the framework of government and FDA regulations are so bad that even in a time of crisis when they're trying to escalate something, there's so much money involved in the process that they can't quite, like, Trump can actually push an escalation forward or maybe make it, hey, it's such a disaster out here, I'm going to give people the risk of whether or not they want to take the vaccine. One of the things that was so funny was I know that Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, and um, I think there's two other potential, like, cures on the table, but they all vowed that despite the escalations, they wouldn't do anything. All right, you, you got to go look this one up. I don't remember what it was, but they basically said they vowed not to do anything harmful. And it's like, well, isn't that what you guys always do? Wait, in this special circumstance, you need to make a vow that you're not going to put out a drug that's going to harm people? And what trust can you have for Johnson & Johnson? It turns out that baby powder caused cancer. We did a whole episode on that where it's like, if you if there's one thing in the world, if there was one conspiracy theory that you would say, okay, that's ridiculous, it's a baby powder cure, and then it turns out. But I think it's still on shelves, so maybe it just doesn't cause that much cancer or the women that use it, you hope they get cancer. I don't know why it's still available or how much cancer it was causing. Um, but you should look that up. All right. Now, the other thing that just, you got to take a step back and remember, it's hilarious watching these things and that somehow the framework just seems to get you suckered in that you still are rooting for Donald Trump. It's like, how is that possible? How is it possible? And it's just because I guess in the framework of living in New York City and dealing with more liberals, it does somewhat feel like he's the underdog, and it also feels like he's combating um, that really dumb liberal PC culture, hey, you're not allowed to say that, hey, the entire country thinks blank is offensive, and you know at least he calls attention to the fact that those people are wrong, not everyone thinks that way, and he's combating that element, and then I guess he's a little bit more humorous, and you dislike Biden more, so you're rooting for this guy just because he's pissing off, it's like the enemy the, of the enemy is my friend. Friend, but then you're also all right. I, anyways, I want to play this moment from the debate because it just still highlights exactly um, how how much lunacy is involved in this process. So you could be rooting for Trump. 
he fixed plan. it to an extent. He has Obamacare, never done a single thing. As you might thing. know, but probably don't. No, Obamacare you realize if you're both good, speaking at the it's same no time. Good. And it's too expensive. Let, let, let the president's... Go ahead, sir. Obamacare is no good. We made it better. And I had a choice to make very early on. We took away the individual mandate. We guaranteed pre-existing conditions, but took away the individual okay. mandate. Listen, this is the way it is. <laughs> and that destroyed... That, they shouldn't even call it Obamacare. Then I had a choice to make. Do I let my people run it really well or badly? Yeah. If I run it badly, they'll probably blame him, but they'll blame me. But more importantly, I want to help people, okay? I said, you got to run that, it so well. That's what and I just for. had a meeting. I got to pause it right there. I did my job. I told them to run it so well. That, 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 that's Trump in a nutshell. I, I did it. I told them to run it so well. But while I told them build build it build the best well, okay, Middle East, Middle East, you talk about peace in the Middle East. I told them I wanted to be so peaceful, okay. That's why I said I said make it so peaceful, the most peaceful. And now it's it's solved, it's fixed. I told them peaceful, so it's peaceful. I told them run it so well, so that's it. Now it, it magic, it's fucking ma- it comes out of my mouth. It's magic. It already happened. I already told them run it so well. I don't even know why you're bringing this up. I told them so. He, like like he, he's a genie. He told somebody within his organization, run it so well. So why are you even bringing this up? I solved it. I told them run it so well. Did you not know that I told someone within my organization run it so well? Uh, And then here was another just fun moment from Biden. uh, And then a couple announcements. And then we're hanging out with the Shedcast boys and BK Chris. You pick it, be a surprise. The wrong guy, the wrong night at the wrong time. Listen, let me play that again for you. You pick it, be a surprise. The wrong guy, the wrong night at the wrong time. And that might be an intimidating line if you don't, you know, stutter at the top of it. Like, you don't want to pick a fight with me. I'll bang my fist in your face. Real, real, real good, buster. (laughs) I love that aspect about Biden where he's still playing the uh, tough gay card despite how uh, old, brittle, and senile the man truly is. All right, a couple of announcements, and then, um, you know, we're going to turn this over to hanging out with BK Chris. One. Thank you to Yo Kratom for the support of this podcast. Now you might wonder, what is it about Yo Kratom that I keep hearing? Then all I keep hearing about it on all these podcasts that I love so very much, and it's mostly because they're a really cool company and they enjoy um, comedy like this. And they're one of the few people that hear people doing offensive shit, and they're like, "I want to get behind it," and I've got the Yo Kratom money to do it. Uh, now. Hopefully they're going to hang out with us for a while, throw more budget our way so that, you know, we can uh, drink more beers and get more video up. Uh, Even though last week I did say video and then I didn't make good on that video and it's because we didn't just edit quickly enough and I don't think I'm going to be putting out full video yet. I think I'm just going to tease highlights for a little bit because I think I can look pretty for highlights. I can do my makeup in between like good takes. Like when I have a good moment on the podcast, I go, all right, everybody pause. I'm going to put on my makeup and we're going to redo that and we're going to set it with the good lighting. Um, But you know, more than that, it's a little bit too much. And then anyways, at some point, maybe I'll put a full video for now. We're going to be doing clips. I was going to do clips last week. We didn't quite do it, but we are going to do it mostly because Yo Kratom gave me some money to get it done. And so we're going to get it done. Otherwise, I don't think I'll have to give back the money to Yo Kratom. But anyways, you're wondering why are these people on so many podcasts I listen to? And it's because they're cool and uh, they actually really like supporting stuff like this, which is awesome. Uh, if you want to know what Kratom is, this is going to be like the one time I kind of, uh, give it a full explanation. And then from here, I'm just going to kind of, you know, plug who they are, where you can find them, just where it makes sense within this podcast. Um, Kratom's fucking awesome. Don't do it every night. And, you know, and if you've never 
taking it. I, I don't know that you like it or that I don't know that you need to get involved with it. Um, short and story, if you've ever enjoyed taking Percocet, which if you're a cool person, you have, um, Kratom, pretty similar thing. It's just got that like painkiller quality to it where you're, you know, if you take it, the, the, the right strand in the right amount, you just kind of go, oh shit, whatever was bothering me isn't bothering me anymore. Uh, now, does that make you a healthier, happier, more competent individual? No. Should you do that every night? Definitely not. Um, you know, if maybe you want to pick it up, experiment with it, and then discover that you're not sleeping at night unless you're driving around to gas stations and find it, you could go do that. I'm not advising you to do that. I'm just telling you, um, it's fun. And if you've got worse uh, drug problems, you know, some people have found this one to be helpful or for uh, pain management, but, you know, you got to do your own research on that. I'm not telling you that you should start taking shit for pain management, nor am I telling you that uh, you should uh, take this every day with your morning coffee, but I can tell you that the Okratum people are fucking awesome. Uh, they support ton of comedy, which is why you're hearing them on uh, so many different podcasts, and if you're into Kratom, cheapest place to pick it up, 60 bucks, you get a whole fucking kilo, um, and if you've never tried Kratom before, don't take it every day, that would be kind of stupid, you want to try it though, you know, we're, we're all, we're all drug people here, we like to drink, we like to take the, uh, occasional whatever, and, you know, why not throw Kratom into the mix, um, all right, that was the end of that announcement. I'm trying to get some uh, more live dates uh, put together. So one is we are going to be doing the uh, the smoke out bug out, and it's going to be like last year. We're going to do it at a harvest festival, which is super cool. Um, we're going to be doing it somewhere in Massachusetts, probably on the property of um, the guy who's growing, which definitely means if you want to come out, you can probably get some freshly harvested herbs. Um, so if you're interested in attending that, it's definitely it's going to be a different format than prior years, but I do think it's going to be a fun event. Uh, Rob newsroom at gmail.com uh, and that's probably going to be towards the end of this month um, maybe early November uh, the other event that I'd like to put together is and this is going to be really experimental so we're going to do it for free I, I, we'll, we'll see how much fun or how cool it turns out to be I really have no idea for how this thing might flow really experimental but something um, it's in the back of my head that I'm, ex I'm, I'm curious to try um, so I'd like to do an end of year show. So probably like end of December before, you know, just before the new year. Um, I want to do a year in jokes. I want to go through all my notes from every episode I did this past year, uh, and just pull like the one or the one or two of what I thought were like the best jokes. So if I can look at my notes, look at the news topic and go, Oh, I remember I had a fun joke on that specific news topic. I'm assuming that amongst the 50 episodes we did, I had the problem is sometimes I just rant like I did on this one. There wasn't really any like, you know, just topical jokes in there. Uh, but I do feel like if I look through my Twitter feed and I also look through all my show notes, I could probably pull out 50 good jokes. And I feel like it would be fun to kind of get the like, you know, 25 minutes, just every joke that I had on some of the specific topics. You can kind of remember all of what the big news topics for the year was. And hopefully those jokes will be funny. Um, if it turns out to be really good, I, I'll definitely put that hour out online. Uh, if it turns out to be completely horrible, no one will ever see it. I think I even had that as a yearbook quote, like if, um, uh, 
if at first you don't succeed, just erase all evidence that you tried. Maybe I got that from Calvin and Hobbes. Maybe that was a Yogi Berra. I don't fucking remember. But the point is, I'm really curious to do that. We'll make it a fucking party event. Shedcast Boys performing for sure. Um, maybe I'll get another comic to, you know, um, to open up. I'll probably do some stand-up to warm up the crowd, and then we can see how bad the podcast material uh, is live. But I'm thinking about, um, you know, I, I listen... I know how to put together a live event. I think it will be a lot of fun. Not sure on venue. Maybe if I can find something outdoor in New York City. Uh, maybe we'll just go back to Tom's backyard if he's willing to host us again. That was a lot of fun. His setup wasn't bad. It would be more cold then, so he'd probably need uh, some winter gear. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe there's someone else with the backyard, with the bonfire. Not totally sure about that. I'm just kind of throwing out there live events that I think I'm going to do. Um, hit me up if like you're Philly, Boston, New York, and you'd be interested in either of those two events, trying to see how much interest there is. Rob's News or Mitch gmail.com. The other thing I'm considering is the next two debates. I think they're on Thursday nights and uh, me and me and Mike Nice, we had so much fucking fun watching this last one. I mean, there were just times we were, we were like really just falling out of our chair laughing. I don't know why I thought some of this shit was as funny as it was, but we really did have a blast with it. Uh, so I think if they are on Thursday nights, I'm considering maybe just doing like a live Zoom uh, hangout for it. Now, the last time we tried doing a live Zoom, we tried doing a sandwich picnic and it was a total disaster uh two like beavis and butthead type character people just showed up and i kept having to try and kick him out which wasn't very successful so not totally sure on the particulars there uh, i do think that i could basically live stream it with the debate in the corner me and the shedcast guys hanging out you know pause it occasionally if there's some insight we really want to offer or if they're actually doing commercials we can do some commentary um during the commercials and then also uh you know, respond, hear what you guys have to say. So that, that's the other thing I'm thinking about. And that one, you know, you could be anywhere in the country and hang out with the, hang out with us for that. So if those are of interest to you, email me, robsnewsroom at gmail.com, trying to gauge how much interest there are in those events. I thought I was going to cold open for 10 minutes. I forgot, um, I forgot, run your mouth, you know? You, you you start opening up, you turn around, and you're like, Jesus Christ, I need a nap. Um, So that's it for the uh, cold open intro. And then this is like another double episode. We're going to do a whole thing in the shed later in the evening. BK Chris calling in. Should be a ton of fun. And that's it for now. Catch you guys next week. Peace.